and welcome to Pixel Tunes Radio. I'm Ed. And I'm Mike. We did that backwards. We are doing that backwards. Today. Yeah, that's right. Because today... Spooky. <laughs> today, we are advancing. Last episode was the Game Boy. Today, we're doing a console spotlight on the Game Boy Advance. What, what? I liked me some Game Boy Advance. It was probably my favorite handheld, yeah. I think. Even towards today, I think. I mean, I really like the DS, but the Game Boy Advance was... It was a Super Nintendo in your hand. Yeah, pretty much. You can pretty much just take all those games that I loved as a kid and and throw it in your pocket and get on with your life while playing video games at the same time. (laughs) Get on with your life. (laughs) Get on with your life. Stop playing these video games. (laughs) So, the Game Boy Advance, I I guess I would say that the best part about it for me was being still able to play the Game Boy and Game Boy Color games Mm -hmm. while also picking up these new titles for Game Boy Advance. A lot of the titles that were on Super Nintendo that came over to the Game Boy Advance, it was it was like hit or miss. You know, like titles like Final Fight One was like a really really good port of Final Fight, but then you look at like Earthrung Jim and you're like, really? Yeah. You know? And it was interesting because the Game Boy Advance was a lower resolution system. The screen was only 240 by 160, hmm. which is far lower than the resolution of your average. TV. True, true. But it had a 32-bit processor, yeah. and a processor that was much faster than the Super Nintendo's, so you had more advanced games in the SNES, but they were at a lower resolution. So right. the graphics were, like, better in terms of animation mm-hmm. and, like, sprite size, yeah. but lower in terms of the resolution. So it was kind of a weird... It's like a mix. Mix. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and there were a lot of really cool effects that were kind of transitioned and brought over from the Super Nintendo, like Mode 7 made, I guess you could say, a reappearance in the Game Boy Advance and the hardware. Yeah, and the, the GBA also had, you know, rudimentary, like, polygonal capabilities, too, yeah. where you can actually move in 3D space. Yeah. Um, you know, they were able to kind of fool the Game Boy and the NES and the Super Nintendo into doing that, mm-hmm. but the GBA had more of a processor that could actually handle... Sort of real flash-shaded polygons. Yeah, I guess 10 years kind of makes a difference, too. <laughs> sure does. So, And there were a lot of genres that kind of came to the system that weren't prevalent even on the Super Nintendo, like first-person shooters. I mean, yeah, you had them on the Super Nintendo, but they were usually really shoddy ports, and you were able to see some really incredible games and really incredible titles come to the Game Boy Advance that you would have never seen on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, the ports of Doom and Doom 2 were pretty good. On yeah, the yeah, that's true. Trying to play the games on the Game Boy Advance without a backlight. I mean, the ga- the game system went through so many different versions. I mean, you've got the Game Boy Advance, which was the standard model, um, and then you've got the Game Boy Advance SP, which was a complete redesign. I mean, I will say that Nintendo really did a fantastic job in redesigning it. Yeah. And so it had the flip open with the uh, instead of just the handheld, you know, like you would get with a regular Game Boy. This one flipped open. And it had a backlight, so the SP was really cool. I got and the first SP I ever got was the NES version, and I still have it to this day, the same one. Uh, it's the Game Boy Advance SP, the Nintendo edition, which basically looks like a Nintendo. Yeah, it's got that black stripe down yep. the right side. Yeah, the yeah, it's really cool. And then I didn't get a Game Boy Micro. Those were the uh, the third redesign, which was smaller, more compact. Didn't play Game Boy and Game Boy Color games, but it did play Advance. I always wanted one of those just to kind of mess around with it because it's so small and super tiny and it's really, it's more just the sort of system where you can just shove it in your pocket and go. Yeah. 
and instead of like having this big bulky wad of Game Boy Advance <laughs> in your in your pockets. The Game Boy Advance was the first system that came out where I was really like full grown adult. Yeah, knew that I was a gamer through and through. Okay. So me and my buddy Jay, who later went on to actually work in the video game industry, mm-hmm. we you know heard about it coming out. And there were pre-orders going on. We went on eBay and we actually pre-ordered Japanese units on <laughs> eBay. Yeah. So we got them a full three months before they came out in the U.S. Okay. Like they shipped them to us like the day after launch day in Japan. Wow, that's cool. Um, and we were both Street Fighter fanatics, mm-hmm. so we got the Super Street Fighter game that came out. Okay. Um, and then the first Mario Advance game. Mm-hmm. And you know they were in Japanese, but yeah. Jay knew Japanese very well, so he right. was able to translate menus and stuff. Even though they were two games that you really didn't even need to know Japanese. Yeah. It was nice just being able to do that. So was it a lot of, like, you kind of both sitting next to each other and going through the menus, like, together and be like, well, what's this mean? Yeah, kind you of. You know, like you that. Know, he would just basically... Because cool. with at least Street Fighter, you know, there's the difficulty settings right. and stuff. I don't even remember if it was... Sometimes those, those game menus are in English in yeah. action games, even if it's a Japanese native system. But it was nice because the Game Boy Advance was compatible with both import games and and U.S. games, so yeah. we didn't have to worry about getting United States games down the line and mm-hmm. not being compatible with our Game Boys. Yeah. So we both got the white ones, like the very first models yep. that came out. Yeah. And then you know, so we just we just played the crap out of it. Yeah. And it was it, it's it's awesome having a system that's not out in the U.S. yet because you can kind of bring it around and then like people friends are and like, gamers are like, that Game Boy Advance? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did you get one? Um, yeah, I imported it on eBay. Yeah, exactly. You know. So uh, it's cool. You know, I, I eventually, I think I ended up trading that one mm-hmm. away or selling it to Funko Land or something at that yeah. point. I mean, I got a, I, I have an SP, which I still have. Yeah. But I still have those import games, which is pretty cool. It's, that's, a, nice, it's a nice memory. That's the thing about the, like, the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color. I can still go back, because I said last episode I collect Game Boy Pockets. Mm-hmm. So I could still go back and even though there's no light or whatever, I can still manage, like, I, I'm okay with managing those. But I can't ever picture owning a Game Boy Advance knowing that there's a Game Boy Advance SP out. Because it's like, it, it's just funny. It's like, it, Nintendo made Game Boy Advances, like, not collector's items. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Because nobody's going to go and be like, I want a Game Boy Advance, when they can just get an SP with a backlight. Well, there was that Afterburner add-on, mm-hmm. which was a third-party kit I remember that, that you could buy. Yeah. You'd have to take apart the Game Boy Advance, and then you would attach LED lights onto the circuit board, mm-hmm. and then it would actually backlight your original Game Boy Advance. That's and cool. I had a couple friends that did that, and it looked really good. That's cool. And, you know, I thought about getting it done, but for some reason I never ended up doing that, and I just got an SP instead, so... Yeah. So that there are ways to make the original yeah. Game Boy Advances a little more modern in the sense of being able to actually see it when you're not in broad daylight. Either. Right. Alright, so my track, of course, as we normally do, I pick five, Ed picks the other five. So my first track is Castlevania Harmony of Dissonance, and this track is called Offense and Defense. The soundtrack was composed by two people, Soshiro Hokai and Mishiru Yamane. Now, Mishiru Yamane really doesn't need much introduction. We've played tracks from her before. She's pretty much the Castlevania composer for the sound for the series from Bloodlines onwards. And we're not going to talk about Lords of Shadow because that that's not Castlevania. <laughs> says you. Says says me and all hardcore Castlevania fans, but Soshiro Hokai actually composed for other Castlevania games and also did Nano Breaker. 
So he did Area of Sorrow and, of course, Harmony of Dissonance. Those are his only two credits other than Nano Breaker. So this soundtrack is really cool. It's very different from other Castlevania soundtracks in the sense that, yeah, it's got the Baroque-era symphonic elements and everything, but it's also very all over the place. I mean, one minute you'll be listening to a track that's very jazz fusion-oriented, very, like, just noise all, all over the place, but you can hear it that it's very fusion-oriented. And you've got other tracks like this, which kind of have this mysterious feel to it, almost like a, a it's like rock-based, like it transforms into something rock-based. Yeah. But it starts out as something where you're kind of like, it's like a mystery, like, coming out of the woods or something like that. It's really cool. And the time signature kind of changes it's up a little It's all bit. over the place. Yeah. This soundtrack is very all over the place with the time signatures, and so you'll, you, you just, you're going to hear it for yourself. But that's pretty much it. That's all we got for Harmony of Dissonance. What did you think of this track when you heard it? I, it wasn't my favorite. No? This isn't, yeah, we've talked about our yeah. differences in the style of music and how I really like, I can appreciate the more progressive time changes and sure. such as, as you know, talent and music, but I really just like the standard 4-4 yeah. rock or techno beat. It's just like driving beats. Yeah. yeah, but I can, I mean, at least speaking on the game, I can say that it was really awesome yeah. to have like a, a Metroidvania, yeah. like a Symphony of the Night style Castlevania in your pocket. Yeah, and uh, the three Castlevania games on the on the Game Boy Advance were they're all great, phenomenal. Yeah, but this one, I don't know. This one gave me a more Simon's Quest feel to it. I always felt like it was kind of the underdog of the of the series. And the Area of Sorrow, of course, is the big superstar, kind of like the Symphony of the Night. Yeah, everybody loves that game. And then Circle of the Moon is now retconned uh, story wise, but you know, whatever. It was the first Game Boy Advance game, and Circle of the Moon, I gotta say, introduced some really cool elements with the card capturing and, you know, using the elements and stuff. Yeah. Harmony of Distance was kind of in between those two. Why don't you give a listen to it and see for yourself what it sounds like. This is Pixel Tunes Radio, Harmony of Dissonance, Offense and Defense. Enjoy.
was the menu screen theme from Racing Gears Advance. Cool song. Doesn't even sound like it's coming out no. of a chip-based Game Boy. Really impressive. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really cool. That was composed by Neil Voss, who really has only done three games for the more modern systems. Okay. He started off, like everybody, he started off on the C64. If you don't have a Japanese name, I guess he started off on the C64. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> But he did Tetrisphere and... For the N64? For the N64. Okay. And also the new Tetris on the N64. Both of which had phenomenal soundtracks. Yeah. And we'll be hearing from those on future podcasts. Yeah, good stuff. And then he did Racing Gears Advance in 2005 after he had done those two. And just really knew how to take advantage of the hardware. You know, these, these songs are mostly sample-based. There's a very big... Prodigy, Chemical Brothers, mm -hmm. Big Beat influence in most of his music. Yeah. Even though, you know, the games themselves are mediocre, yeah. I'm not going to say. I mean, Tetris was decent. Tetris was pretty good. Phenomenal. Yeah. But the music is like what really keeps you going and playing, at least in my opinion. Just yeah. Because they're, they're fantastic. So now Neo Boss has gone on to do like creative apps for uh, mobile devices. So he's got this app called Ultra Visual, which is kind of like a photo collection app where you can kind of make photo collections into pieces of art and share it with other people. Oh, that's and, neat. Yeah, it's really cool. Alrighty. So what's our next track that we're playing? The next track that we're going to be listening to is from Konami's Crazy Racers, another Konami title. And the track we're going to be listening to is Sky Bridge. This is a really happy, fun, bouncy song. I really dig this track. Yeah, this is actually a... It's more of a chip tune version of a Twinbee track right. from the Twinbee word Stinger, as it's known on the NES. Right. Arcade games. Yeah. So that's what Crazy Racers kind of did. It was a collection of yeah. Konami characters. Basically Mario Kart for Konami. Exactly. And in a lot of ways... I think Konami Crazy Racers was a little bit better than Mario Kart Super on the Circuit or Mario yeah. Kart Advance. No, I agree with that totally. It's a really fun game. Yeah, for a launch title, they, they really had a handle on that hardware. Yeah. Uh, it ran very smoothly, the music was great, the graphics were phenomenal. So the composer was Sotaro Tojima, and he was pretty much a Konami guy. He worked first at TNE Software doing Sonata and Blaze and Blade Busters. That is a mouthful right Don't there. Bust your blade. Bust your blade, girl. <laughs> then he moved on to Konami to do Castlevania Circle of the Moon, Poppin' Music Series, and Konami Crazy Racers. Also later on did um, Metal Gear Solid 3, Twin Snakes, uh, Solid 2, uh, Zone of Enders, The Second Runner, and Metal Gear Solid 4. He then moved on to Microsoft to do Halo 4 soundtracks, so he was actually the audio director for that. Yeah, he actually uh, worked on Smash Brothers Brawl, too. Yeah, yeah, well, there were so many people that worked on Brawl soundtrack. Well, yeah. Good stuff from this guy. I wanted to um, explain why a lot of our songs are going to be kind of differing in quality a little bit. <laughs> I apologize for the suckiness. Well, you know, some are going to sound really crisp and really clear. Mm -hmm. Some of them might sound a little... Gritty, yeah, like muffled or gritty sound. Yeah, yeah. The Game Boy Advance had a really interesting sound hardware. It had direct audio channels, okay, which kind of similar to the Super Nintendo. You can like load sound fonts into it and make it sound how you want, rather than like an FM chip like the Genesis had or you know the the, uh, the arcade games had. Yeah. But then it could also use the Game Boy tone generators that were built in 
to enhance the existing direct audio hmm. channels. You'll hear, like, in some of the Game Boy Advance songs, you'll have, like, you know, compressed audio for the drums, but then you'll hear, like, really crisp tones for the lead synths, and it'll almost sound like a Game Boy. Yeah. So that's where that kind of comes from. Hmm. And also, ripping audio from a Game Boy Advance is not an easy job. No, it seems like it's really impossible to do. There were different audio engines depending on the game, so some of them it's very easy to get the music out of, and you can yeah. make it sound really good. Other ones, you really can't get at all. You yeah. actually have to hook up, you know, like a recording device to mm -hmm. the Game Boy Advance wow. and hope that there's a sound test or an area in the game where you can play it and, and not hear any sound effects. Yeah. So some of these titles, you're going to hear like a really crisp, might sound even better than coming out of a Game Boy Advance. Yep. And some of them are going to sound either like a Game Boy Advance or maybe even a lower quality, but we did do a lot of research and try to get the best quality song for the songs that we really wanted to play. Because we like you a lot. Yeah, so I just didn't want you guys to be like, why does this sound, song sound fantastic and this one not so fantastic? Well, yeah. we're doing our best to bring you the best quality we can. There you go. So, let's get on with the music. Yeah, this song is called, again, Skybridge, Konami's Crazy Racers. Check it out. Why, why, racer?
dispatch, I've located the terrorist cell. They've got hostages in cages. No need for backup. I've got this one covered. We read you loud and clear, Ninja Cop. Don't forget to change your costume every time you grab a power-up. Roger that, out. Now, I just need to grapple up to... Hello there. Ah, you. Doesn't this game already have a ninja in it? Me? It looks like you could use some help. You need... No, really. <laughs> I don't need anything. I've got this one covered. What about ninja stars? Got them right here. A uh, sharpened Japanese blade? Got that too. A grappling hook. You definitely don't have a grappling hook. Ryu, I have a grappling hook. I don't need your help. Well, you must need something. I need you to leave me alone so I can rescue these hostages. Well, do you have, uh... Do you have over a dozen award-winning games, manga, and anime, and a legacy spanning almost 25 years? No. Then I know what you need. You need a fan base. Zing! Ryu, out. <laughs> You're a jerk, Ryu Hayabusa. Ninja 5-0, the best game you've never played. Welcome back to Pixel Tunes Radio. That was a neat little track. Yeah, it was Ninja 5-0. The song title was Master of Flame. This game is probably one of the most expensive Game Boy Advance games out there, and it honestly kind of always has been. I've been looking for it for years. It had a very limited release. Yeah. It did not sell very well. Late in the Game Boy Advance's life cycle, too. Right? Yes, and yeah. it is a fantastic game. Really good game. So if you want to imagine... Ninja Gaiden mixed with Bionic Commando, with maybe a little bit of Metal Gear Solid yeah. mixed in with it. Yeah, um, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, so you know you have to strategize on how you beat your enemies. You have to rescue the hostages, and then you have a grappling hook, which mm-hmm. you can use to swing up and around and do a full half circle to get on platforms above you because you can't jump up through platforms mm-hmm. and you don't jump very high. So. <laughs> it's just, it's really, it's a lot of fun to play. I just picture, like, the people, the developers at Konami being like, well, actually, it wasn't Konami that made this, it was Hudson Soft. Hudson Soft developed yeah. it, and then Konami published it. Published it, very weird. weird. Yeah. Well, at that time, that was I, probably right around the time of the buyout, right? Because oh, Hudson Soft got bought out by Konami. Yeah. So, that may have been right around the time when maybe they were starting talks. It's possible. Probably, Yeah. Because that happened right before, I think, the GameCube, like, maybe the middle of the GameCube's life cycle, and the Game Boy Advance kind of was, it went through the GameCube's life cycle at that time. Yeah. So, that's a possibility, but I could just honestly picture the developer sitting down there like, okay, we need a new Ninja game. But it can't be Ninja Guide. No, of course not. So... Because we're not Tecmo. Let's <laughs> steal that idea... And then still Capcom's Bionic Commando. Perfect. Perfect. Bionic Ninja. But how can we tie it all into Konami? Metal Gear. Let's just have them publish it. Metal Gear. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, for those of you who do not live in North America, it was known as Ninja Cop. Right. In Europe and Japan. Because I don't think the colloquialism 5-0, it means police. Yeah. It's like a slang for police in the U.S. I don't think the Europeans would really get that reference. At least not back then. I don't know if it's made it over there by now, but... Uh, it's funny, I always thought it was like a take on Hawaii 5 
Well, yeah, that's what it meant. I mean, yeah, but I didn't know that at the time, so I was always like, is this like a side story to Hawaii Five-0? Oh, because the terminology yeah, was... Yeah, I, okay. I always thought it was like a licensed thing at first, and then I actually played the game, I was like, oh my god, this has nothing to do with Hawaii Five-0 at all. Not <laughs> at all. So the music is really good. Uh, it was written by Aya Tanaka and Hiroyuki Tsuboguchi. Tsuboguchi? Okay. Tsuboguchi. Tsubaguchi. Do you want to say it again? It sounds great if you keep saying it over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Tsubaguchi. Yeah. It'd probably make my, my kids giggle every time. I... Mm, I just want a big, helpful bowl of Tsubaguchi. Tsubaguchi. <laughs> That's terrible. You get a written letter in the mail with like a like a like a blood handprint from from <laughs> Hiroki stuck to Tsubaguchi. Door with a knife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm coming for you. Anyways, Tsubaguchi-san was actually more of a sound director and sound effect designer. Okay. Ninja 5.0 was the only game where he was actually credited for music. Oh, wow. Which is interesting. Huh. So he worked on Tetris Party, some Bomberman games, mm-hmm. uh, Mario Party 3, Mario Party 6, Mario Party 9. Wow. Yeah, those were all Hudson Soft. I always forget that Hudson Soft published those, or developed those games. Yeah. 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 And then originally started off on Bomberman 64 in 1997. So... Yeah. Uh, and then Aya Tanaka only has a couple games to her credit. Um, Tengai Maikyu Zero and Mario Party 5, along hmm. with Ninja 5.0. Okay. So, you know, a couple of artists right. that you don't really hear much from in other games. Mm. But uh, together they came out and made a pretty good soundtrack. It's yeah. very sneaky. It's kind of like Metal Gear Solid, but mm. it has more of a beat yeah. to it. Yeah, this track was very... Like a danger, Will Robinson sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, you knew exactly. that you were in trouble. You knew this was like boss battle type song. Good stuff. I liked it. Excellent. We're gonna move on to the Phantom Sonic <laughs> Advance Two song. This one is probably the most unique song we'll ever play on this podcast. So, and th- and you know what's the best part about this is. Ed didn't pick this one. This was all me. Yeah, and I almost... I was on the fence about actually allowing it. I almost tried to throw in co-host veto power on yeah. this one. So, Mike, why don't you explain why it's so funky? All right, so this song is from Sonic Advance 2. It's, it's labeled as the Leaf Forest beta track. Okay. Total misnomer. It, it is. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was absolutely going to be in Leaf Forest. Personally, I thought it was going to be in like the music note zone, where like they had like the keyboards and stuff, and I'll explain why. So, when I got a GameCube, one of the games that I got for it, um, probably you know within the first six months or so, whenever it launched, was uh, Sonic Mega Collection. Now, as a Nintendo fan, this was like a foreign thing to me, because <laughs> I didn't grow up with Sonic never really played any Sonic games other than the occasional, like, walking into Toys R Us, oh, what's this, Sonic and Knuckles? Whatever, it's not Mario. Meh. Yeah, one of those. But then when I actually sat down and played the games, and when I took my head out of my ass and realized that other <laughs> games on other systems were great too, the, the Sonic Mega Collection was actually one of the first steps that I took to becoming a non-100% guaranteed Nintendo fanboy. So, playing this game... You know, I, was, I got to experience all the original Sonic games. It was great. It's a really great collection. However, they had video trailers for some of the upcoming games that were also releasing on Nintendo systems, um, such as uh, Sonic Adventure 2, the DX or whatever it's called, the Director's Cut, basically, mm-hmm. uh, which I also ended up picking up. And 
Sonic Advance 2 on the Game Boy Advance. Now, this was pretty much a, a trailer for the game. This track plays in the trailer, and this track sold the game for me. <laughs> I, it's so funny. I was like listening to this track, and I'm like, this song is really good. I'm like, the game's got to be awesome. And I'm watching this video, and you know, it's it's very fast paced. I would say it's even faster paced. Maybe it's because of the resolution. I don't know, but it felt faster paced than the, the original Genesis game. Yeah, and it was also it was faster than the original Sonic Advance. Yes, yeah, as yeah well. definitely. So playing through, buying this game and playing through it, I'm like, I'm gonna hear that track. I'm gonna hear that track. And I'm <laughs> waiting and waiting and waiting. And I got pretty far in the game, but I never actually beat the game. And so for years, I thought, well, that's got to be an ending track. That's got to be close to ending. And then while researching this track. I looked up Leaf Forest because I thought it was in Leaf Forest. It sounded like it could have been the music note stage in the trailer, but I was like, "All right, let me let me try to see if I could track down this this track." So I type in Leaf Forest, and all the Leaf Forest tracks I played through, I was like, "This isn't the song." What the heck? What's the name of the song? So I look it up. I look it up, and after researching it, I found out it's called online at least. It's called Leaf Forest Beta Track, and so. That's kind of why I picked this track, because it's a really amazing song that never made it into the game. And so it's technically unreleased, kind of like the Time Tracks thing, which is kind of how I convinced you. I was like, well, if you can play Time Tracks yeah. unreleased to yeah. Genesis, then I can play this. So And it's definitely a Game Boy Advance oh, yeah. song. You know, yeah. you know it's, it was actually made on the hardware the way it sounds. Definitely. So. So, as far as who composed this track, we do actually have some information on who composed the soundtrack, so I assume that these guys also worked on this track. Unless they fired the whole sound team. Yeah, and worked <laughs> on this one song, yeah. and then they were like, <laughs> peace out. So, the three artists for this one were Tatsuyuki Maeda, Yutaka Minobi, and Teruhiko Nakagawa. So, kind of real quick to go through these guys, because they have done so much work. Uh, Maeda-san worked on uh, Golden Axe 3, Sonic the Hedgehog 3, Sonic and Knuckles, um, Astal, which was a really cool oh, yeah. uh, Saturn game. Saturn. Yeah, really good game. Um, Sonic 3D, Flicky's Island, Skies of Arcadia, Sonic Advance 1 and 2, um, Skies of Arcadia Legends, Shinobi, the PS2 version, um, Yoshi Topsy Turvy, Sonic Gems, I mean, Knights, all this crazy stuff, Knights Journey into Dreams, the... If you've played a game, he's made the Yeah, game. like, especially a Sega game, like, straight up, this dude made so many games. Um, for Minobi-san, uh, worked on the same thing, Skies of Arcadia, um, worked on, like, Sonic Heroes, obviously Sonic Advance 2, uh, worked on a game called, uh... Sonic Unleashed, Sonic and the Black Knight, a lot of Sonic stuff here. Sonic Generations, a Rhythm Thief. Have you played that game, the 3DS? No, I haven't. It's really good. Like when you get a 3DS, a 3DS, but when you get a 3DS, track this game down. It's, it, I'm telling you, it's going to be one of those games that gets up in price. Mm. It didn't sell a lot, as far as I can tell, but it was one of the first games that came out like in the second wave of titles after the launch titles. You mean after the 3DS got good? Yeah, like after the <laughs> 3DS got good. So this was like an in-betweener. That's a great game. It's really cool. Cool. Really good rhythm-based game. Sonic Lost World, both the Wii U and 3DS version. So this guy's still working for Sega, pretty much. And he started music at... He was self-taught, 
He learned to play the piano at four years old and was composing original works by the age of eight. So he is definitely a music prodigy. And then the third guy is Nakagawa-san, and he actually uses Studio Vision Pro for sequencing. And the instruments he uses are very varied, but, um, you know, uh, all the way from, like, Roland synthesizers to uh, Korg, Wavestation, I mean, a lot of really cool stuff. But he did the soundtrack for Shinobi Gun Valkyrie, which was a really awkward controlling Xbox exclusive. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. That game was really... It was, like... I like the art style of that game, but, I don't know, the game controls like a tank. Yeah. The character doesn't control well. Sonic Heroes, Sonic Rush, Night's Journey into Dreams, they all worked on, you know, all these Sonic games, Sega games. So he started out composing the soundtrack for Metalhead, which was a Sega game that came out, I think it was a 32X game, if I recall. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah that's right. right. Yeah. I remember that one. Boom! I don't even have a 32X and I knew what that track Look was. Look at you. I'm all grown up. You're going to be called Mike Sega by the time this is done. <laughs> Mike Ega. It'll just be my name, like Mike. Mike Ega. It'll be like Mike Ega. <laughs> all right, I'm going to shut up. Please. You you guys listen to this beta track that's a weird one. And the beginning sounds like that Katamari on the Swing song. Too. Yeah, you were saying that. Yeah. yeah. So there's a little similarity. It's, uh, it's good stuff. It's really cool. But yeah, so this is a really fun track. Sonic Advance 2 beta. Leaf Forest, I guess. Have a wonderful day.
Welcome back. That was Pinball of the Dead. Ooh. Oh, I just got hit with a pinball. <laughs> <laughs> the name of that track was Movement. Muddy. Muddy. Muddy Movement. Girl, you like your movement muddy like I like my chips soggy. I don't like the chips soggy. So, welcome to the Ed Show. <laughs> I think every episode we threaten to leave at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. I said I'm done table flip. <laughs> So Pinball of the Dead was one of my favorite Game Boy Advance games. I don't know, I'm a sucker for these pinball games. Yeah. Like, so it's very similar to uh, Alien Crush, Double Crush, Mario Pinball on the Game Boy Advance, if you've played that. You know, the pinball games that kind of have a storyline and, yeah. and an action sequence. It's cool. Yeah, like, I like it. it. Uh, I like those type of games. I mean, it's just nice to see a game like that that's very, like, arcade-ish. Yeah. I guess you could say in the sense that there's no story, there's no characters that you really just all give a crap about. Yeah, it's, it's all action. Through, exactly. And it's weird because I really don't like regular, like, hardware pinball games yeah. that you, like, no, I play in an arcade. I mean, I started off with pinball on the Atari 2600. That was one of the first games I owned. So it was, you know, one of the first games I ever played. Yeah. And then I also owned pinball for the NES. Yep. I love so, that game. Video um, pinball's always just kind of been a part of yeah. of my gaming experience, so I guess I kind of gravitate towards these games a little bit. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of pinball machines except for the Mario one. That one yeah, that was, was cool. always the one that I was like, oh, I gotta have this, it's Mario. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I like the Doctor Who pinball game, just because I'm a Doctor Who fan. Right. So you kind of, you know, you gravitate towards them based on the theme, and then you get used to the tables, so you yeah. understand how they work. There's a whole bunch of stuff to hit, but yeah. like you have to hit certain things in certain orders and get certain ramps, and it's like sometimes they don't do a very good job of telling you what you're supposed to be doing yeah. to get the higher. Sound like Spinball's guilty of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And and especially on like, what do I do? On physical tables too. And you're like, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. No, I hear um, so, anyways, the music in that game, I just absolutely love. It's yeah. got a very creepy industrial sound to it. Really, really clear stuff for the for the Game Boy Advance. Yeah. It was composed by Tetsuya Kawauchi. And one of our favorites, Hitoshi Sakimoto. Kawauchi is kind of the lesser-known one of the two, but he worked on a lot of Dreamcast games, House of the Dead 2, Dynamite Cop, Zombie Revenge. Um, these were mostly Naomi games right. that were ported to the Dreamcast or also simultaneously released on the Dreamcast. And his most recent game was uh, Blood Will Tell. Hmm. So, tell. What was that out on? It was a PS2 game. Okay. Made by Sega. Oh, okay. So, you know, he was mainly a Sega dude. You know what I thought was really weird is this Pinball of the Dead game, it's it's developed by Sega, but isn't it published by THQ, if I recall? Yeah? Please? The European version, published by Sega. Okay. The American version was published by THQ. Published by THQ. Weird. Like, why would you not just publish that in America? That's that's that is kind of interesting. That is weird. There's got to be a reason behind it. That is weird. Listeners, if you know why THQ published Pinball of the Dead, send me a PM. Send or us a text a, message. Send. Why would show up text? at my door? Knock on my door, <laughs> wearing nothing but a tie. We're gonna do a racing episode. <laughs> Like it. Yeah. No, that that is interesting. Especially since THQ is not the biggest publishing house yeah. in the world. No, they're not. Well, they're definitely not now. Well, right. R.I.P. THQ. THQ, <laughs> you were my love. 
So we're getting a little off track here. Oh, Who cares? Boy. Oh boy. Sigma Star Saga is up next. I really like this game. Yeah, this is a game that I was not familiar with until Mike picked this song, so I did a little research of my own. So why don't you explain the game a little bit? Yeah, so if you've ever played Guardian Legend, this is pretty much Guardian Legend with an RPG story. I've never played Guardian Legend. Well then, get lost. No. <laughs> Go play Guardian We're firing Legend. each other, we're quitting, this is ridiculous. Oh my god, table flip. I'm saying, hypothetically, if the okay. audience hasn't played Guardian Legend. Alright, so, this is the way it works. You take two different genres. You take a top-down Zelda-ish sort of, you know, RPG element for Guardian Legend, uh, and then you kind of throw in shooters, like a shooter, like a horizontal It's like two completely opposite shooter. ends of the spectrum. Yeah, no, it's weird. It, it, but it works. It, it works for Guardian Legend. It works for Sigma Star Saga. This game, you're basically... You play this, this character named Ian Wrecker, and he goes undercover against, uh, I guess you could say, this these people called the Krill, which, yeah, that's what happens. And so you go back and forth between these ship battles where you're in a ship, and you get this bodysuit thing that makes you look like a Krill... Uh, attached to your head is basically this really ridiculously looking. It's like if the Captain Crunch hat had like antlers. And it's like a ball in the center. Yeah, it's almost like a hammerhead shark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's purple. No, it's like I don't want to envision the Captain Crunch hat with antlers and an eyeball in the center. That's, green eyeball. That's Sigma Star. Horrifying vision. Right yeah. Imagine yeah. seeing that staring at you while you're trying to eat your breakfast in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but what's crazy Trillos. is so they advertise this game as. There's a little bit of a love triangle aspect to it, in a way, because you get multiple different endings, and the endings depend on whether or not one character dies or can be saved, and so there's this female character... Silent Hill style. Yeah, there's this um, female character called Scarlet, who, you know, you can save or die or whatever in the the game, Um, and then his... this this, uh, Krill girl named Syme, I guess you could say. It's like they took... The word psychic and the word rhyme and put them together, so sign. And so she's, you know, they're both these love interests, so when you see sign, you're like, well, this chick is hot, look at her, she's in a bikini or whatever, like an alien bikini, like, wow, that's pretty hot. At any point in the game, do you wreck her? No. No. That's unfortunate. At least I don't think so. I haven't gotten that far in this game. But it was developed by WayForward Technologies, who, of course... It's funny, because I thought that, originally, I thought that Jake Kaufman wrote this soundtrack. Because they were in bed together in all yeah, that ways. Yeah, you, hey, you know. You know how it goes. <laughs> he's all like, oh, pass me that Sigma Star Saga. <laughs> oh, there's music for I don't know why he's, like, very, like, fancy, but... Because I've met Jake Kaufman, he's a nice guy. But he did not do the music for this one. And he is not fancy. No. <laughs> so this music was... <laughs> We're so sorry, Mr. Kaufman. This is the second. This is the second <laughs> podcast we've insulted him. If you guys ever show up at a convention together and he's listening, you're in trouble. See him at Magfest next year and be like, "Listen, Mike Tendo, <laughs> we've got words to have." <laughs> so this game was published in North America by Namco, uh, and in Europe it was published by Atari. So again, what's What's up with that? I mean, WayForward never really published their own games. Yeah. They always develop stuff and got it published by Capcom. That's what they're doing deals with, I Whatever. guess. Yeah. And it, 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 doing it, shady deals. It costs money to publish. Yeah, so true. 
whoever has, I guess, the best infrastructure set up at that time, you know, like with Pinball of the Dead, maybe yeah. THQ had the ability to ship a lot of games, and Sega just didn't, because maybe they were manufacturing too many Sonic Advance 2s and firing their sound teams. Yeah, right, you know, I mean, <laughs> come on. So, this game, yeah, it's, it's really good. I, th- I think everybody should really check it out, because it's one of those... I, I wouldn't say it's, like, underrated, because I think a lot of people have kind of stepped up and been like, this game's great. So people are kind of now checking it out. So it's not, it's slowly becoming one of those like cult titles that are no longer sort of cult. Yeah. I guess you could say in a weird way. But you can find it pretty cheap. I mean, it's, it's definitely worth picking up. So this track, all right. So the way that we kind of got these songs is there was a partial rip that we were able to get. And so this particular song had a labeled title. Again, I don't know if this is the actual name of the track because online it's labeled as Your Adventure Starts Here. However, in the partial track that was titled and ripped, it's called City Under Siege. So, huh. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird like that. They're not even similar titles. No, I know. They're completely different. Is I, the city under siege when your adventure begins? Um, well, yeah, sort of. I mean, okay. yeah. Because aliens are yeah. attacking. Yeah, the crow are, are doing stuff. Who knows? I'm gonna quit. <laughs> I'm gonna have Jake Kaufman come on. He's gonna be the new co host. As long as you guys don't start throwing it in the butt, that's fine by me. Well, he is very fancy. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, he has a wife, but he is very fancy. Stop right now! <laughs> so, Shinnen is the actual composer, not Jake Kaufman. Correct. Tell me about Shinnen. Shinnen, it's a development studio, okay. so. There aren't any actual names named as far as right. the development uh, or the, the composition of the song goes. So they're based out of Germany. They work mainly for Nintendo. They have over 200 soundtracks to their name. That's crazy. Um, and they also developed um, audio, it's called audio middleware. So okay. when I was talking about the different um, sound engines that the Game Boy Advance has, and some are easily rippable and some are not, they created one of these sound engines. So the games that... Shinan did for the Game Boy Advance, you really kind of have to do that manual recording right. through like the headphone jack or something, which, yes. is, which is why this is the way it is. Yeah, that's why it's very difficult <clears throat> to, to get this soundtrack. Yeah, so they, I mean, they've developed a lot of their own games, like the Nano Stray series, mm-hmm. Iridion. They did some licensed titles like Maya the Bee, Garfield's Nightmare, but then they've also even done some Wii U, Nintendo eShop games. Yeah. Um, the Nano Stray series. Yep. Nano Assaults, uh, Art of Balance, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Four Two, and then Fast Racing. Cool. So yeah, they're a pretty pretty big outfit. Yeah. Why don't we uh, check the song out? Yeah. Let's listen to the song. So again, this is Sigma Star Saga, City Under Siege, or Your Adventure Begins. Whatever you prefer.
the year 2001, Nintendo put out a Game Boy system that revolutionized the brand, the Game Boy Advance. In 2003, they revolutionized the brand with a built-in light and redesigned it as the Game Boy Advance SP. In 2005, they released a similar, smaller, more portable handheld called the Game Boy Micro. Yeah, well then the DS came out. Wrong. That's what the media wants you to think. Nintendo has been working on a follow-up to continue the Game Boy line. Introducing the Super Ultra Game Boy Advance Micro SP Entertainment System. Oh, well, it uh, looks pretty cool. The Super Ultra Game Boy Micro SP Entertainment System plays all forms of Game Boy games, has a built-in adapter for Rob the Robot for games like Super Ultra Gyromite Advance. Oh, oh, can it play Mother 3? No, but it can make freshly squeezed orange juice. Just huh? put the orange up to the sharp juicer tip at the bottom and grind oranges to a bloody pulp while you play the latest Mario game. Super Ultra New Super Mario Brothers Advance. Hmm. Well, what else can it do? With a backlight hosted by the very inner core of the sun, games will look so bright your eyes won't be able to see anything. No, literally, I mean, you'll need sunglasses so you can look cool while you play. Uh, it sounds okay, I, I guess. Is, is there anything else? Glad you asked, unassuming consumer. Super Ultra Game Boy Advance Micro SP Entertainment System is also trained in six different languages and takes voice command. However, at this time, it only understands how to say, Make me orange juice, Mr. Nintendo. So, how exactly is that practical? I'll tell you as soon as you stop eating chips. But I, I, I can't stop. Here, kid. Have some orange juice. Kid? I'm 35! The Super Ultra Game Boy Advance Micro SP Entertainment System. Now available at all Circuit City, Nobody Beats the Fizz, and Sunkle Land. Oh god, these shows are so good! Will you cut that out? Oh, no, no. Awesome, awesome track. That was from Serious Sam for the Game Boy Advance. I really like that song. There weren't very many Western composers that kind of started off in like that whole C64 scene yeah. on the Game Boy Advance. Like you're not going to see like Tim Fallon or Stella Dosis or a lot of those guys. Um, Alberto Gonzalez worked on a, a couple games, yeah. but they weren't like in the chiptune style. They had more of like a cinematic or a classical influence. True. So this was composed by Matt Simmons, who went by the moniker of Format. Number four, MT. Yeah, I've heard of him before. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he does he, remixes too, right? He does remixes. Yeah. He started off like in the C64 scene and did some Amiga games. He worked on like Chuck Rock for the Amiga um, and then the, the Fantastic Dizzy series as well. Fantastic Dizzy. So he still does music. Um, you can go to a Format's Bandcamp page. And there's a ton of albums on cool. there that you can purchase and download. And then he's also got a pretty active Facebook page as well where you, he will like work on music compositions but then stream it via Twitch so you oh, can that's cool. watch him at work. That's neat. So it's pretty cool. He does a lot of stuff with social media. Um, you can follow him at format underscore C music on Twitter as well. Yeah, I'd like to see more Japanese composers do that because obviously I have a favor to yeah. you know, I prefer Japanese composers. I, I can't tell whether they're just more like culturally private where they would rather work True. without giving away their, their secrets or whether they're just on social media networks that yeah. you know 
probably only Japanese, Japanese music. Japanese don't because of language and culture barrier. Yeah, it's it's really funny though because when you look up stuff about these composers, mainly the Japanese ones, you would think that you know you would get the idea that oh they just play video games all day. Most of them don't. In fact, most of them have very boring hobbies. Like they'll be like I like fishing. Yeah. And Porchisi. Yeah. And I have a cat named Roger. And Steam Buns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's kind of the impression that you get when you actually. You know, you listen to these songs and they're like, oh man, like you feel like they're rock stars, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, as a composer, you've pretty much spent your entire life ensconced in music rather than video games. Mm -hmm. So you can have, you know, you can appreciate video games and that might get you into composing music for video games, but you're not going to be like a hardcore gamer, I don't think, because too much of your time is going to be spent on working on your music. Yeah, true. Which I think is different for developers. I think more developers are actually gamers than video game music composers oh, yeah. are actually gamers. Not necessarily true. I mean, like, if you look at... I'm going to bring him up again, but Jake, Jake Kaufman, I know he's a hardcore gamer. You know, like, he's... You know, I've talked to him about games right. on Twitter and stuff like that. And it's very clear that he will get as excited about a game that he's developing as any fan would. So... And, 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 and that's really cool to see. Yeah, and more so, I think, the composers that are starting off nowadays have grown up with video games. It's been there all their lives. True. Whereas the people who composed like NES games, there weren't any video games when they were growing True. up. So yeah. they were bringing more of their outside video game composing influence. Yes. So now it's almost like a parody of itself where they've grown up with video games mm-hmm. now they're composing video game music. So yeah. it sounds like modern versions of older video game music. Right. <laughs> Which is strange because when you talk about like, like Grant Kirkhope, for example. Mm-hmm. So he, he was at MAGFest and he was you know being interviewed like he did a panel he did the um, like the GoldenEye soundtrack, he, right? For he did like Perfect Dark, and I don't think he did GoldenEye. I'm trying to remember. He might have, yeah. Um, but I know that he did like a bunch of different games, and so Perfect Dark, obviously one of my favorite games mm-hmm. on the N64. So he was talking about what his influences are, and he's like, you know, like the Beatles, you know, like yeah. classical music. I really like the Star Wars soundtracks, and I'm like, really. Like, because a I mean, lot of people like Contra. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you're kind of expecting that he's going to be like, yeah, you know, um, I really like Wizards and Warriors. Yeah, you know, that was my main. Dave influence. Wise is my hero. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that game was really cool. It had really cool music. I, I really like the Serious Sam Advance. I've never played that game, but uh, what about the game? Is it pretty good? I mean, it's a first-person shooter, right? Yeah, and yeah. and Serious Sam is like. Doom on steroids. Okay. It's all about big open environments and tons and tons of enemies. Yeah. So this kind of shows off, you know, like I was talking about before with Doom and Doom 2, it, that that 3D effect that the Game Boy Advance can pull off pretty well. Yeah. Um, and it's just just a fast paced, you know, obviously it's not as good as like the PC game sure. or the, the more advanced ports. Yeah. But as a first person shooter on the Game Boy Advance, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. And the soundtrack, if you like this song, the, the entire soundtrack is really good too. And it just kind of cool. keeps you driving through the through the game and beating everything yeah. up. So I'll have to pick it up. Yeah. We're going to move on to uh, Astro Boy, the yeah. Mega Factor now, which was developed by Treasure, correct? Yeah, actually it was developed by Treasure and was brought to North America by Sega. They published it. Mm-hmm. This is also one of those underrated kind of masterpiece Game Boy Advance games. Which is so weird because yeah. Treasure was extremely well known at this point. Oh, yeah. And then when, when they started marketing Astro Boy... And they were like developed by Treasure. Like I got really excited because oh, yeah. I know who they were. Well, most gamers did, yeah. Right, and then, so the 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 lack of the sales numbers just kind of puzzled me because I would think that 
Trisha hadn't made a game in, in a little while yeah. when this came out, yeah. and I was just thinking people were going to be flocking to this title, but it didn't seem like that happened. Yeah, the, that's the big problem with Treasure Games. They'll develop a game, and it'll be really a fantastic title, but, you know, the game doesn't sell well. And that's a shame, because they put a lot of heart and soul into these games. You could tell that they're fans of their own games, and they're fans of their work. Yeah. So, when you see them put together a game like Astro Boy, I mean, you can compare it with, I would probably say Mega Man, which is not that far-fetched, since Astro Boy, the anime series, was a huge influence on the Mega Man video game series. And, I mean, that, that there's no distinct, no question about that. I mean, you look at Astro Boy, you're like, hey, look, it's Mega Man. Yeah. So this game had a really cool, almost like a shooter feel to it, but also kind of was a platformer as well. So it was like a very mixed bag, and a lot of really cool sprite design and stuff. I mean, really awesome game. So this song is called Metro City, I guess. Anyways, this track was composed by two people, Norino Hanzawa and Tsuyoshi Kaneko. And uh, Hanzawa-san composed a bunch of different stuff, mainly for Konami and Treasure, of course. Gunstar Heroes, Alien Soldier, Guardian Heroes, a lot of really cool stuff. Um, Advanced Guardian Heroes, which that was the Game Boy Advance game, which was a sequel to Gunstar Heroes. Correct. Yes. Maybe, I don't know if it was a direct sequel, but it was like a... In the spiritual the sequel. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it has a similar name. Yeah. So. And the Alien Soldier soundtrack is completely... Yeah. Insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to match the game. Like, yeah. Really, really fast-paced, crazy stuff. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And Tsuyoshi Kaneko, he worked on Astro Boy. I couldn't find really... I mean, he's a Sega guy. Tsuyoshi Kaneko, it's not much really known about him. He worked on Sima, the enemy, and of course Astro Boy for the, for the Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, he did uh, Sega Gaga and Record of Lotus War on the Dreamcast. His most recent game was Disgaea 2. Okay. PS2. The sequel, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mainly Sega games. Yeah. Um, but that's all we can really dig up on. Yeah, Atlas, Treasure, Sega. It kind of bounces around. Yeah. Yeah. Word. So, that's pretty much it for Astro Boy. So, check out this track and check out the game. The game is really cool. Oh, definitely. The song is called Metro City, and here you go. Enjoy.
Welcome back to Pixel Tunes Radio. That track was from Advanced Wars Dos, right? Yeah. Advanced Wars Dos, Black Hole Rising. What was the name of that song? It was Jess's theme. Now, Jess, a girl. I've never played this game. Yeah, she's okay. one of the protagonists. Okay. okay. Um, each character has a theme, okay. and they all have different themes for their themes. <laughs> you want to try that one? Well, yeah. It, 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 That's the explanation you're. Well, I mean, with. you can have a rock theme, and you can have like a southern kind of country theme. Okay. The villains tend to have like metal. Or like industrial okay. themes. Yeah. The, the soundtrack in this game is is all over the place. It yeah. goes anywhere from like cinematic suspense to like straight out rock to, to dance. It's a, it's a really really good soundtrack. I'm um, not a fan of the beginning of this song. The it kind of the bass sounds great. First off, I mean really awesome slap bass. I'm not digging the beginning when it kind of yeah it has that mechanical clanking. Yeah, and it almost sounds a little off time. In it places, does, yeah, but yeah, um, but it's it's cool. I mean, it eventually turns into something just that a I cool, actually kind of like. Rock song. Yeah. This game is really cool. It's actually another one of my favorite games for the yeah. Game Boy Advance. I will never play this game. Just a real... <laughs> it's strategy, which I normally don't yeah. like, but it's simplified enough that yeah. I can kind of get into it, and it almost feels like an action game yeah. to me Yeah, Advance Wars keeps it simple. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's part of the cool thing of it, I think. I'm not a big statistics, crazy RPG kind of guy. I like things simple and fun. Yeah, I am not a strategy guy at all. I like RPGs. Like, I've said in the Mike's Picks episode with Final Fantasy 7. I'd say Final Fantasy 7, Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy 5, those are probably three of my favorite RPGs. And Final Fantasy 3 or 6, somewhere in there, whatever. Yeah, and I think those are so popular because they're so accessible. Right, and I, and I think that's part of the reason because I gotta like the characters, I gotta like the story, and the combat system has to somewhat be fun. Yeah. Even and though stuff like, very, very repetitive. Yeah, and stuff like Suikoden or Final Fantasy Tactics just gets so statistics-based. Yeah. Where, you know... Can't do it. Some people love it. Yeah. That's oh yeah, fine. no, that's totally great music, cool. great graphics, great yeah. gameplay. If you're into that stuff, but I just need something a little less yeah. involving. Yeah, I have kids. Uh, well, you know, it's not even <laughs> it, the the major thing with me is. So if I'm playing one of these games, first off, I gotta have a small cast of characters, like no more than seven to yeah. ten. If you have like, that's why I haven't played Chrono Cross. Everyone's like, oh, you're gonna love Chrono Cross. It's cool. It's awesome. It's a continuation of the series, sort of. And I love, freaking love Chrono Trigger, one of my top ten favorite games of all time. But with Chrono Cross, there's like hundreds of characters. And I'm like, no, I just want like a small cast just like Chrono Trigger, yeah. like no more than seven. To have like a handle on those characters yeah, and, and yeah. know how they operate. And Yeah, and you know what? The characters, you come to grow and love them and care about them as the game goes on. Whereas when you've got like hundreds of characters, you really don't really care that much exactly. about the characters. The only exception to that, I would say, is Valkyrie Profile, which has these amazing cinematics and, and cutscenes that are really very emotional mm-hmm. and very deep and detailed and go into most of the characters that you're going to be yeah. able to play as. So, Advance Wars 2 was composed by Yoshito Hirano. We started off with Advance Wars 2. We did Fire Emblem, uh, Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. So a lot of RPGs. Yeah. Strategy. Um, and then he did the DS Advance Wars game. Was that the one that was like a little bit more grown up? Yeah, Days was, of Ruin. It was like Advance Wars all grown up. <laughs> <laughs> and then Super Smash Brothers Brawl, but then who didn't who work didn't, on Super yeah. Smash Brothers Brawl? I worked on Super Smash Brothers <laughs> Brawl soundtrack. His game that's coming up is Codename Steam, which is going to be on the 3DS. Yes. 
and it is that recently announced game. Yes, and it's going to be about a task force organized by Abraham Lincoln, and they're going to be fighting aliens. That's amazing. It's a steampunk 19th century theme, but it's going to be it's going to be like an Advance Wars game. So, you're going to have to deal with that. It's going to be in 3D though. But it's going to be a strategy game, and you know how I feel about strategy games. Well, Maybe I'll get it and we'll play against each other. Yeah, yeah. Or I'll just let you beat me. Just Strategy's like better when you have somebody that you can physically taunt. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you with my alien killers. Right? That's uh, that's an Ed thing. Yeah, that's alien something. killers. Yeah, yeah killers. that's something I would totally come yeah. up with. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> so that's all the tracks we've got. Yeah, we're gonna get out of here. So thanks again for listening. This is the second console or handheld spotlight that we decided to do uh, let us know what you think in the comments and please make sure to check us out on iTunes you can rate us and that really helps get the show afloat and keeps it so that people are getting to know about the show and we really appreciate all the support that you guys have been giving us but feel free to give us a rating or give us a like on iTunes any feedback helps so it really, tell your friends. Yeah, tell, tell you tell your dogs. Do you know anybody who likes video game music and is interested in it as much as you guys are and we are? Definitely mention it to them, even if it's in casual conversation. Like, yeah, these Pixel Tune Radio guys are real jerks. Um, that would be Jake Kaufman talking about us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is episode <laughs> twelve, man. This is our this is our six month yeah anniversary. We, uh, we we didn't get each other anything. No, but we're both wearing party hats. That's true. In our pants. Yeah. I'm glad that we decided to do that, to go that route, <laughs> wearing party hats. Yeah, so I quit. Again. Again. For the fifth time No, today. you quit. And now is I'm it my quit. turn to quit? No, it's it my turn. turn. It's my turn to quit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, 12 episodes deep. We really appreciate the support and love and happy, huggy feelings that you guys have given us for the past six months. We hope to continue that for the next six months. Got it, man. Yeah, man. Check us out on YouTube iTunes, where what's that Android app that we have uh, the podcast on? Double Twist. Double Twist. Check us out on Double Twist. Any Android listeners, it's an app that you can download. You can listen to us. You know, we're trying to get this podcast out there to as many people as possible. So the more you share, the more we, we care. care. Boom, boom. Oh, that's our what? new logo. The more you share, the more we care. It sounds like a Huggies commercial. So actually. basically, that means though, if they don't share, that we don't care about them. Yeah, see, you know, man, you're Jake kaufman in this. Oh. <laughs> Worst insult ever. As in, you're making a really awesome soundtrack. <laughs> and you're a really super nice guy. Good job, Ed. You've saved the day once again. Hooray! Oh my god. Anyways, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know you know the drill, YouTube. man. YouTube. We need that LinkedIn account. Yeah. Keep saying it. Yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah. Check us out. We do podcasts and stuff. Bye-bye. See you later. Have a wonderful two weeks. We'll be back in a couple. <laughs>